0: Some companies believe, I've seen it happen, you think that you have all the answers, well, you don't. And you've gotta lean on, on the store teams. The people that were the closest to the customers, they've got the answers.
1: Yeah, it sounds simple, <laughs> much harder, because it's really a cultural change. And It's culture, a culture of feedback.
0: Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben.
1: Hey there, Lead the Tim Nation. Welcome back to another great episode. Today, I've got a good one for you. Troy Rice, who is the CEO of Total Wine & More. And yes, that Total Wine, that place that you probably just went to. Uh, before the weekend got started here. It, they happen to be the country's largest independent retailer of fine wine, founded in 1991 when brothers David and Robert Trone opened their first wine store in Delaware. And since then, they've grown to 249 stores across 27 states and continue to open on average 15 stores each year. And the typical store, by the way, if you haven't been in one of these, Carries more than 8,000 world-class wines from every wine-producing region in the world, and it's a lot of fun to check out. And and in addition, Total Wine & More carries more than 2,500 beers from America's most popular beers to -to hard-to-find microbrews and imports, and more than 3,000 different spirits from every price range and category. Now, back to Troy. He joined them back in 2017 as the Chief Stores Officer and during his tenure, he's led the stores organization to achieve significant milestones, including, and there are a lot of them here, but leading the stores during the pandemic. I mean, that was, and we'll, maybe we'll dig into that a little bit. Rapidly innovating processes to enable the digital business, which I know has grown from, from my research, developing talent to fuel future growth, supporting real estate initiatives, and driving laser focus on the customer experience. Prior to joining Total Wine, Troy held leadership positions at retailers, you know, like Office Depot, Toys R Us, and the Home Depot. And Home Depot, by the way, as COO and President of Retail, he led the retail merger, or I should add Office Depot, as COO and President of Retail, he led the retail merger of Office Depot and Office Max. And then at Toys R Us, as Executive Vice President of Stores and Services, he led their omnichannel efforts and was an early adopter of many of the services that retailers practice today. And Troy spent 16 of his years back at the Home Depot, back at the beginning, as a manager trainee when they only had 135 stores, and he held roles of increasing responsibility culminating with the role of division president, northern division, with over 600 stores, and $24 billion with a B in revenue. And Troy, we're going to dig into this, Troy grew up in retail in the retailing world at his father's grocery store where the values of customer service, teamwork, and work ethic were instilled in him at an early age. Troy, welcome to Lead the Team. Ben, it's great to be here. Very excited about our conversation today. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, I've been looking forward to this. And y'all, let's just say Troy is a busy guy. So I am delighted we finally got you on here. Now, when people hear your extensive resume, people are probably thinking retail, retail, retail. I worked for the sports authority back in the day and retail is a pretty, can be a brutal business. It's around the clock. It's changing all the time. Why in the world did you decide to hang your hat on, on being a a leader in the retail space? You know, it's, it's a great question.
0: And, you know, I did other things uh, when I was going to college Uh, I actually worked for the uh, Norfolk Southern Railroad uh, for a number of years, uh, worked uh, on the tracks and in the office in real estate. And there was something about, though, uh, something, the passion that I had when I was young, working in my stepdad's grocery store in Harriman, Tennessee, an IGA store. And, you know, just the interaction with the customers and the team uh, aspect of being in retail that I really wanted to get back into. And as I was working for Norfolk Southern Railroad, I tell this story all the time that I I, I just did not uh, like working in the office. And I continued to look for the right company hmm. that I wanted, wanted to move to. I was trying to get into a, a retail company. And I heard about this small company that was in Atlanta and it had a great culture that i read a lot about. Uh, they were doing Outward Bound and all kinds of cool stuff then. Hmm and they're focused on customer service, and there was actually a job fair at the Royal Congress Center across the railroad tracks behind my office, and I walked over and applied for a job that day at the Home Depot, and they were hiring for cashiers, forklift drivers, um, and I think supervisors, and I said, hey, do you have a management training program going? And that that's what I'm really looking for. And uh, they said, "Well, in fact, we do." One of the owner's sons, Fred Marcus, uh, is starting the first ever. And I said, "Well, uh, please put my name in." They called me back two months later, and uh, and that's really how I got
1: started back in retail again uh, from working uh, for my wow. stepdad. So it was a little bit of hey, I tried railroad life, and it wasn't <laughs> just for me. <laughs> Wasn't that, for me. So then you went across the street like, okay, man, okay, yeah, no, yeah, that this Home Depot place happened. might work out.
0: And what I think, uh, you know, I think one of the things that uh, probably kept me in retail, and and that may be uh, even a, a a a a better answer is that for me is the fact of uh, the the love of working with people, the uh, the magic that happens uh, that you see happening in retail stores with great leaders and what they can do and seeing people's careers uh, grown, uh, you know, growing. And I definitely, I grew my my career at the Home Depot, but it's really exciting to look back and see other people that have grown their careers and just that level of satisfaction that happens. And I guess the other aspect of it is, I was probably spoiled, uh, you know, going to work for the Home Depot with the culture that they had and that culture at such an early stage in my career, it just really sparked something in me that
1: uh, a fire that would not be put out. Wow. So it all started with that Home Depot experience, huh? I mean, what a ride. I mean, you were with them through probably their rapid, their most rapid growth phase, uh, long before Lowe's was on the scene nationally. I mean, Home Depot w- was it. Um, and then you took that and you I mean, I guess you took a lot of what you learned there, your your work experiences, and then on to other major retailers. You're like, hey, I can do that. I can do Home Depot. Why not Office Depot?
0: Yeah, it, well, it was, it was a uh, you know, when I with with Home Depot and going through that, and I think getting the best training in the world from Bernie Marcus, Arthur Blank, uh, mm-hmm. Tom Taylor, Jerry Edwards, Barry Silverman, uh, yeah, legends. You, know, you you name it. You know, taking taking that, what I learned from them and being able to apply that to uh, to other businesses, uh, I we, we had a, a a vendor meeting when I first got to uh, to Toys R Us. And I said, you know, I really questioned whether, whether or not I wanted to take this job until I found out they had a construction department at Toys R Us. <laughs> and we actually did. We sold, obviously, toy hammers, toy drills. And things like that, but really, it's it is about it, the commonality of, of retail is greater than the difference in retail, and the commonality of, of of great people building a culture that's focused on people and that's focused on the customer uh, is is really the, the common aspect of it. And I think too often, and I, I've definitely uh, been a part of this as well, is that you know, you can lose that focus. And and I think many retailers do. And, you know, you really, you, you've got to keep that focus on the customers and on people. And, and for the retailers that do,
1: uh, then great things happen. Wow. So thinking back to the legends that you worked for, was there one memorable moment or lesson that you carry with yourself as you go, you know, as you've gone about your career?
0: You know, I think uh, there are there are many, many ones. Uh, You know, I I, a store store visit with uh, Bernie Marcos when I was running a store in Nashville, Tennessee. And just, you know, just the uh, the experience of having Bernie do a couple of things. One was just be able to ask questions and talk about the product. So here's a founder who's, you know, at this stage, Bernie was probably in, in his uh, mid sixties and to be talking about the product and knew about the product, but, you know, curious enough to ask questions about it too. Secondly, to actually talk to customers and, and pull a customer to the side, ask ask them about their experience in the store, mm-hmm. get feedback. The third thing is talking to the employees, and he would, Bernie would uh, either speak to them in a group setting, or he would have a town hall meeting with them in the break room. You know, or and I'll never forget this. When I was running that store, uh, you know, we were wrapping up our visit in the store, and Bernie disappeared. We said, "Where'd Bernie go?" But Bernie went outside to talk to George, who's an outside gardening, and he remembered George from a prior a visit to Nashville. And so, you know, that you could probably encapsulate everything as a leader that I uh, that I've learned and really what I try to emulate off of that one visit with Bernie Marcus.
1: Hmm. Well, wow. it's it's really to me that sounds like a leader who knows how to roll up their sleeves, get out of the office and be in the stores. And it's one to just be on the sidelines and I'm, just, I'm observing everything, but to actually engage with everybody, and, and they and everybody comes from different backgrounds, some professional, some not. You know, it's a, you know, it's it's so important to be able to relate to them in that way. Now, you're you're known for your saying, "Learning is living." What do you mean by that?
0: Well, I, I think. Um... You know, within my career, so I just look back at at this, and I'm sure that all of us could, uh, you know, have similar experiences. When I started with Home Depot, the only thing I knew about home improvement was cutting grass. And uh, so there was a lot to learn there about about the products, about the company, about how they operated. Then going to uh, Toys R Us, very different business model, totally different uh, group of individuals. And you know, we our CEO was Jerry Storch. We had uh, our president was Ron Belair. Uh, Jerry came from Target. Ron came from Best Buy. It was just a a melting pot of people and talent that you know. I had to learn the operations, sure. But as we said earlier, there's a lot of commonality to that. But it really was about learning how we could do great things together. And and so that was really more about uh, learning leadership styles. And then as I went to Office Depot, it was about learning, You know, how do you bring two companies together with two vastly different cultures of Office Depot and Office Max? And uh, you're having to learn how to address the cultural side of that because they had been sworn enemies for a number of years. And then, but then you also had the uh, the actual merger side of that. How do you actually merge two companies together in it from a, a practical standpoint. So learning there. And then, you know, coming into this space. I mean, look, I I, I always liked a good cab, <clears throat> but I knew nothing about Barolo. Yeah, it's
1: like I mowing, nothing like I mow my grass. Okay. I run for Home Depot and I like my wine. Right. But this is different. And, and, and so a lot of
0: learning uh, there. But it's, it, I, I just think that. In, Many people have talked about this. Uh, uh, Carol Dweck wrote a great uh, book on the uh, the uh, beginner's mindset and and having that and having a flexible mindset. And I just think that to, to me, that's that really is what it's all about and about staying in that mode as a leader. and uh, And that's been one of the things that I have tried to do my entire career.
1: Yeah, it can be difficult. When As you rise an organization to maintain that, because you're you become known as someone who knows what they're doing in the moment. And as but for a I think it's a great example of, hey, you knew a lot, but you're learning a new you learned a new business each time. It was retail. but uh, even at the higher uh, levels, you know, you're never so high up in the organization that there's not more to learn. Uh, I, I really like that. Now, you say you're a proud girl dad, as I am. Uh, and you've got three. Uh, and I'm curious, what is your approach and sort of philosophy of being executive and being a parent? And and, and what have you learned from the experience?
0: Well, it's, uh, you know, definitely doesn't go without its challenges, uh, for sure. And I have got you know, three great daughters. And, uh, you know, I, I think part of it is, you know, you, you've got to make sure that you're Aware of the time you're spending and interacting and helping develop them. Uh, unfortunately, I was definitely on the road a lot more than I would have wanted to have been. And fortunately for me, i have have a great wife who helped uh, help give me a lot of feedback on when I needed to uh, to be home more and uh, and those kinds of things. And I think you you know I think the biggest thing is knowing that you have multiple responsibilities. And it is uh, you, you know, it's it's different, but you it's just like uh, you know, leading a business as well. You have a lot of responsibilities. How do you how do you strike the right balance and make the investments in people and time? And um, that's what I tried to do.
1: So, question when you're with your family, do you talk about the business and and the work side, or do you strive to sort of keep those? separate in conversation well it's a great question Ben
0: and one of the things that I um you know I guess it, it changes as the as the kids aged and you know there wasn't much to talk about about work although they would come to see me at work all the time and in fact uh, Ben I've actually probably broken some laws I have my kids actually came into toys Restock the shelves. But, um, you know, as the kids got older, they got more interested in the business. Mm -hmm. And so the uh, the the things that we do talk about business now uh, together and and they do ask questions. And as they have their own careers, you know, we talk about interviewing for jobs and, you know, things like that. Um, So, you know, I, I think the best approach is let them. You know, let them come and ask questions as well um, as they are interested, and they were interested in Home Depot. They were probably too young. Uh, the
1: with Toys R Us, they were
0: interested in. They're very interested in Total Wine.
1: <laughs> I can tell you. Yeah, that. they're getting to twenty one. I'm sure they're getting. Uh... Yes, they and they all are. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point. I, I really try to talk about, talk about my business to my family, to my daughter. Um, and I think it's just so, so important. Of course, you've got to gauge your attention span and you don't be, you know, because they, they want to talk about their day or sometimes they don't, but, you know, re- regardless, help them understand what it's like because, you know, they're going to be able to frame themselves and their careers a lot about, you know, and and, and their, their internal meaning of what business is all about, you know, based on what their parents do and say. So it's such a unique opportunity that's right yeah all right so let's fast forward just a little bit into the total wine sphere and i mean i i have really enjoyed visiting total wine many times here in charleston south carolina uh such a cool place then here comes COVID, and there you are you know at the helm how did you guys navigate that and how was it perceived uh, I guess I'm thinking about as an opportunity or a threat to the organization and, and how it all well,
0: it out. it was a it was both for sure. And um, I think that you know w- you look at that moment, and I think for many leaders, it was a defining moment uh, for so many people. And so for you know for our leadership team, I'll never forget the day we have a picture of it um that we have hanging up in 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 uh, in the office. Of the the original conference call, the initial one with all the store managers about what we were were doing and the protocol we were getting beginning to put in place, and as we were one of the retailers in most of the country that were deemed an essential retailer, uh, we we had to figure it out on the fly, and there were so many things that were changing so rapidly for us that uh, we 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 just had to uh, stretch our agility muscles we had to lean into our uh, our communication more than ever and we had to listen to the store managers and what was what they were experiencing in their stores at, you know on a daily basis and um you know one of the things that i i, I try to talk to people about all the time is <clears throat> is about taking advantage of opportunities where you can really test your leadership uh, leadership skills, and one of the things I did talk to the store managers about going into COVID was uh, that uh, none of us have ever been through this before. We know that uh, there's no manual for it. We are an essential retailer, and uh, you know, if 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 you like leadership, <clears throat> then it's going to be scary. Like like leadership can be. Uh, but it's it's also going to be incredibly rewarding, and our first mission is to keep everyone safe, and and then be able to help our customers as we go through uh, this uh, experience. And none of us know where this is going. But the biggest thing is focus on safety, number one, and then focus on our people, and focus on uh, taking care of our customers. And we're in this together. And we were out in stores, uh, you know, during this time, trying to
1: learn and adapt very quickly. Uh, to help our team succeed. Wow. Well, congratulations on it, because obviously you did. Okay. And uh, things have, you know, I'm assuming from what I've noticed for from Total Wine, you all grew during the pandemic, right? And and have, and have accelerated the business. Yes,
0: Hopefully. yes, we did. Yeah, every, and there were some things that, you know, I think in businesses in life, there's some things about doing things at the right time that get you uh, set up for uh, for success, when something happens, we all we never know when when opportunity is going to proverbially knock at the door. Uh, from a business standpoint, but in this case, uh, we had had several systems that we had just put in prior to the pandemic. Uh, one was was putting delivery on our website. It was on the app previously, which would have been very hard to use. Secondly, we just set up a network of third party providers. Third, we had digitized our uh in-store pickup curbside delivery picking process in the store so we knew we had to do all those things and we'd been working uh extremely quickly on all of the all those things um but to have that done and then that really gave us the ability to capture uh the business that came to Total Wine as a
1: result of that want to boost your productivity and decision making Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So what's the, what's the leadership message there? Prepare or be prepared Boy Scout motto.
0: Yeah. I I think the leadership message is, you know, we, when, when I came to Total Wine in 2017, you know, we we did an assessment on where we were from a digital standpoint, digital capabilities, and what we needed to do. I had two fantastic partners in Tom Cooser and Christina Callis, Robert Hammack, Michelle Trone, <clears throat> that really helped us um, lay out a roadmap for how we quickly caught up on those things. And so I think the message would be, is you know, you know lay out your road roadmap. Be be bold in asking for what you need, and and attack it with a sense of urgency. And we did all that, and we were prepared when when this happened. And so we went from a roughly a six or seven percent digital penetration in our business to twenty five percent, really overnight. Hmm. And it has settled out somewhere around seventeen uh, percent. Uh, digital penetration. We're filling orders today. Our fill rate is above ninety nine point five percent, and our on time uh, fulfillment is above ninety nine percent. Wow! So, so you're a digital transfer. Sorry, yeah. but we, so we built. We were able to build all of this and then really perfect it during the pandemic uh, to continue improving where, where we where we are at this point.
1: So when you say digital penet- penetration, do you mean people are placing their orders on the app and they're coming to pick it up or it's delivered to the, them? And,
0: yeah. Yes, it could be in, either in-store pickup, curbside, okay. or delivery. And unlike a lot of retailers, every digital order flows through our stores. We don't have a warehouse that we're shipping goods out of. Right. It all flows out of our stores. Interesting. And so that's just and because of the, 100%. The nature of our
1: business. It's the nature of the business. It's the nature of our business model,
0: and and uh, uh, the way that the three tier system in our business works, and and requirements to have a brick and mortar license to be able to uh, to deliver product. Wow. Okay. That's a
1: little little nuance. That, that <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Very much Those so. Alcohol sells. It's a little different now. Thinking about. Uh, sort of your broader organization, what's the one trait that you'd like to instill in every employee? And why do you think it's important? The one trait I would like to instill in every
0: employee in the company. And this may seem uh, counterintuitive for a retailer, but it really would be be comfortable giving feedback because Uh, feedback is, as the, the, again, the old saying is it's a gift and what in the feedback would be that, you know, what can we do better to serve our customers? What can we do better to make your jobs easier? What can we do better to be more productive as a company? Um, you know, what new items are customers asking for in your store? What new trends are you seeing in your store? And the more feedback we can get, the stronger we will be as a company, and uh, the better we'll be able to serve our customers. And we'll be around forever. And it's where I think where uh, you know companies, some companies believe, and I've definitely you know I've seen it happen in the companies I've worked for before. And uh, you, you know where you think that you have all the answers, well, you don't. And you've got to lean on on the store teams that. At Home Depot, we always used to say that the people that were the closest to the customers, they've got the answers. Uh, and so, yeah. try to as an organization, we have to work really hard to get close to the customer and make sure we're getting feedback from our store team members because they they know a lot. And and that would be the one thing that I would want to really instill. And if we do that, then we're we're accomplishing the focus on the customer. We're accomplishing. Uh, you know, driving productivity at work,
1: we're accomplishing uh, becoming a stronger company. So that would be it. Yeah, it sounds simple, (coughs) much harder because it's really a cultural change. and It's culture. And think about feedback, too. If people aren't used to getting feedback and proactively asking for it in their personal life or in their other jobs that they've had, that's a big change for people. Some some leaders get so frustrated. They're like, "Well, they don't take feedback. Well, well, they've had feedback in the past, and maybe they felt like they needed to be defensive, or maybe they felt like it was hurtful in some way. And so now they he- think about this, like, this is not good for us. So it's a it's a big shift. Uh, but the way you talk about it, it sounds like it's vital. It's not an it, option.
0: Yeah, yeah, ben, I, I think. I, I mean, I really I think it is, and. You know, I go to uh, again back to store visits with Bernie Marcus and how he tried to create that uh, that direct flow of information and stamping out bureaucracy in organizations, hmm. so you can get to the real truth of, of what is happening. and uh, And so, I think that's that's a key part of it. But you're you're absolutely right. And the hard part about a retail company is we're always hiring people from the outside. You know, it's just it's just a fact of life. You know, we grow our own talent for sure, but we're always hiring people from the outside uh, as well. So they're all coming in with their experiences and their experiences would be, would be like the last time I told my boss about something that he could do better or she could do better, um, you know, or what we could do better as a company. I, they jumped down my throat. And, I, or I, you know, they, I received my next door visit was unlike any I've ever had before. And, and, and so I think that that's just cult- culturally, people are not comfortable with that. And I'm not saying that we're great at that. I'm just saying that's, that's the thing that I want to be great at. <laughs> and yes. I'm striving for.
1: Well, that's where it starts to cast that <laughs> vision for what's possible. And I thought you did a nice job of articulating how the workplace looks different if you did come in tomorrow. And there was a feedback of culture that was for everybody. Everybody was executing on that. And uh, I mean, I just think about that being so powerful, especially with wine, because wine is an opinion-driven business a lot of times, like on the price point. Well, it's the narrative. It's what people perceive to be the the taste to them. And uh yeah, you get that feedback because taste changes, right? You can I mean how how are ta- how do you think uh taste are, are are changing now and shifting and what do you like if you had your crystal ball? How do you think how do you think things are gonna be maybe five years from now?
0: Well, it's a it's a great question. We are in the middle right now, Ben, of a major uh change in 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 taste profiles of consumers. Okay. and one of the things that we see happening is consumers are gravitating to uh, fruit flavors, lots of flavors. Flavor, there's a flavor explosion going on, and that's happening with RTDs, ready to drink, canned cocktails and yes. things like this. So think about high noon. Think about, uh, you know, of course, White Claw, truly. Now yes. there are there's simply spiked lemonade out there. Mm-hmm. There is a Lipton uh, tea, hard beverage. Um, so you have all that going on. You've also got this, um, this shift to, uh, to spirits and Mm -hmm. a lot of the younger consumers are, you know, they, they may enjoy wine, but they really like making cocktails. And so, uh, they are are moving to spirits. They're making cocktails, uh, and, you know, and tequila, is exploding in 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 volume. And a lot of that is because it's very unique. You have different expressions of tequila. You have blanco, reposado, añejo, cristalino, mm-hmm. and so you can within that one category you can get all these taste profiles. And so as a company, you know, we have to really work to stay ahead of that and work with our supplier partners
1: on that as well. Yeah, it's it's complicated in terms of it sounds like all the things it, things are getting more complicated, more s more SKUs. Uh, well,
0: yes, you you've been in retail before, so you 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 know that. And the I'll give you an example. So last year we added twenty thousand new SKUs to our portfolio. Last year, oh, and so far this year we've added sixty three hundred new SKUs. And that's because innovation, um, innovation, flavor changes, things like that. Now we're discontinuing as well, uh, but it is that constant churn that you see within within our business that actually brings excitement, innovation, and you know new products. And that's what customers are looking for in the business. Yeah. So it's a it, it it's challenging, but it really. Uh, again, that goes back a little bit to the uh, feedback comment. Is you know, tell us how customers are responding and what we need to be doing differently.
1: And I'm assuming you're you're able to use your digital platform too to help get get real time feedback. Yes, uh, the no, di-
0: no. digital and digital is, is very interesting. Uh, we can get get a lot of real time feedback uh, from digital. Digital skews have your own wine. Um, a greater percentage of digital is done in wine than in spirits, and that it's just the, the, yeah the consumer uh, has a lot more repeat purchases and feels more comfortable. And the spirits customer wants to come in and explore the aisle and see what all you uh-huh. have okay. in, in in the store. What's new, right? Just like I, I just mentioned, we have all these new items uh, they were adding, and so that's a key part right. of of what we are, are uh,
1: what we're doing as a company all right so now I've got, I would like to ask you a couple of questions about spirits and wine and the business world so you've been to probably many business lunches and dinners uh, throughout your time and say you're thinking about hey I need to plan a uh, a dinner for the board or I need to plan a dinner for some business associates that are, that are key um how do you think about spirit selection, wine selection in terms of, you know, how, like uh, how, like maybe a fun way to answer it would be how, if you were to plan this out, what would you, what would you put on the the drink menu?
0: Well, great question. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you, you know, you would want to start with the sparkling uh, uh wine, Sp- uh, yeah, okay. it, with a champagne or yeah, a, okay. yeah. a, uh, a a cava you would want to then move into a uh, maybe a uh, a cocktail with uh, you know with appetizers and and then move into a um a a white that you would sample a uh, a really good chardonnay or sancerre or a white bordeaux uh, with uh, with your salad, and then move into a, uh, I would say a, you know, a, a, I would say probably a left bank Bordeaux uh, with dinner. So that now we're talking about a cab heavy blend of Bordeaux. And now the
1: price is going up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's you know this is this
1: this, this is a very special them. group
0: of people. It's a board of directors, yes. or it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a business colleague. So. Uh, that's what it would be, and then I would say then for dessert we would
1: probably find a good tawny port uh, to have for dessert. When you said cocktail, what what cocktail do you think would be on there? Well, the uh, you know the
0: leading cocktail uh, right now for that we we see a lot of growth in is with old fashions, so something bourbon based. And I would probably offer, That's what awesome. I would do there is offer either a bourbon-based or a tequila-based, number mm. one cocktail in the world is margarita, uh, or a uh, or a vodka-based options with a, a martini-ish uh,
1: offering. Okay. Espresso so martinis are very popular. Martinis. Okay. So yes. you're thinking about some, so you're saying these are the options for the cocktails, Right. You're going to give them sort of a brown liquor, like bur- like bourbon option, bourbon, and, then, right. and then a lighter option. Right. Then a third would be the martini, or the third would be the. It would be one of your options, would be where, either a martini, an uh, old fashioned, or a, a tequila base. Well, I recently did some lesson some training up in Wisconsin, and I found out that they claimed to have invented the old fashioned in, in Wisconsin, up in Marshfield. And in, in that neck of the woods, you
0: uh-huh. know, um, there, there's an old saying is that success has many fathers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. We'll get into origins of, of cocktails, but yes, they had It's teachers. so funny. I was in I was in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and we have a a team member that works for us in the store who actually was at the first hotel that ever, and and there are it's written up that she actually invented the Cosmo cosmopolitan wow and she works
1: for us at at total wine that's pretty spectacular yes (laughs) there's been documented that she made the first cosmo it's documented it's in it's
0: in it's written up in magazines it's in the press and she was in the hotel that where it was first
1: brought out to the public it was so funny like during the days that the tv show sex in the city was so big I mean, the amount of Cosmos that Sarah Jessica Parker drank on that show was Right. Incredible. It put that on the mall. Really just put it out there for everyone to to start drinking those. Troy, this has been a lot of fun. and I could keep you on for a long time because I didn't get to even half my questions, but we got to wrap up here. What's your parting thought for our listeners?
0: I think the parting thought would be that, you know, as a, as a leader, uh, you know, for me, embracing feedback, embracing this uh, culture of, uh, of of leaders asking what they can do better mm-hmm. and how the organization can do better and, um, you know, continuing to focus on uh, on, on, on your team and um, you know, we spend a lot of time internally focusing on the development of our team and 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 how we can uh, I can give them feedback. they can give me feedback. So, Ben, I think it would be just a culture of feedback and and as you know, uh, if you're constantly it provides a way of having a conversation that's real versus having conversations that we're, we're acting like things are okay, but but we're not talking about the real substances of what we can do to grow and get better as a company. And thats that would be my parting thought. And I as I said, we are we are, and I am a work in progress. So I'll always say that. Um, but it, it is a, a a key part, I believe of of success. And I think in today's world of digital communication, virtual communication um uh, remote work and things like that um if we're not careful separations will, will will get in the way and uh and companies will suffer
1: from that if you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting do this before you do anything else head over to benfanning.com quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one bestselling book, The Quit Alternative, the blueprint for creating the job you love without quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping.